you. <laughs> I mean, the other Bethy may also have done something she does regularly, uh, because we regularly do those things. <laughs> she asked me what the sermon was about this week. And that's like asking me what the plot of the movie, you know, that you're going to go. It's like, I don't want to tell you that. So I, I told her, I, was, I did a dirty, sneaky trick. I said, it's about the four lepers. And she says, which lepers? I said, the four lepers. She says, well, the Bible has lots of lepers. I said, it has only one four lepers. <laughs> and it does. There's only one four lepers. And this is the most exciting story that people don't know. It's an amazing story, and yet it's one of the most unknown stories you have. Because you know stories of unlikely victory, right? You know David and Goliath. You know Samson and the Philistines. You know Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. You know Gideon and the Midianites. Even though if you're like me, you can never remember who it is that Gideon fought. It's some kind of ites, you know. Uh, and, and I wrote it down so I know it's the Midianites because I was going to call them the Amalekites. But <laughs> Moabites, any kind of ites. Uh, but do you know the lepers, the four lepers and the Arameans? And you're going, what? <laughs> or the four lepers of Syrians and Aramaeans is interchangeable. This week we're going to learn, us, learn one more story of God's unlikely victory. And it's a fun one. It's a good one. It's in, it's in for 2 Kings, starts in chapter 6, verse 24, and it goes through uh, the, the end of chapter 7. And so we're going to look at this story. Uh, and we're going to start with, uh, with what I call the setup to the story. Because the story is, is, is actually... The, the, the exciting part of the story, the heart of the story, is, is short. You know, action often, the problem with action is it happens fast. <laughs> and all the buildup and all the, the, the uh, what do they call that? What happens after the buildup, after the event? Uh, Anticlimax. <laughs> you know, so, so here we have, here's what's going on. Is, remember I talked last time, we talked about Naaman. He was a Syrian general, and he'd had victory, and there'd been skirmishes, but we weren't aware of any major war at that point. Well, now there is serious war going on between Israel and, and, and Syria. And so, so this is what's going on. They have, they have besieged Samaria. Afterward, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. Now, I don't know what a cab is, but I do know what dove's dung is. <laughs> and I don't know why you're buying that. Uh, that, that is, that I don't even want to think about that. That's some serious, serious famine going on. Okay, um, let me see here. Uh, it, gets, it gets worse. The story gets worse. Now, as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord will not help you, how shall I help you? From the threshing floor or the wine press. It's kind of a mocking statement. Which, which one of those places do you want me to go find help for you? You know, should, do you want, you want help from the threshing floor? Are you looking for bread? Or are you just looking for some booze to, 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 to make you feel better? But he says, I can't do either one. Uh, it's, it's not there. Uh, and the king asked, asked her, and he goes on, he doesn't just stop it there. He says, what is your trouble? She answered, this woman said to me, uh, give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. This is probably why we don't know this story, because this is so gross. Uh, um, so we boiled my son and ate him, and on the next day I said to her, give me your son that we may eat him. But she had hidden her son. And she said, it's not fair, <laughs> right? That's, that's what she said. And when the king heard the words of this woman, he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall, and people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth beneath his body. 
And, and, and you understand, you know, he was, he was, sackcloth is a sign of mourning, except for him, he was actually mourning really well because he was wearing his royal clothes on the outside, but in grief at the moment, he ripped and tore them, which was their reflex act of mourning, and she saw that he was wearing sackcloth underneath, which, by the way, I would rather sackcloth over, <laughs> you know, with, with something soft in between because it's rough. Uh, and, and he said, May God do to me, so to me, and so much more if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. Okay, so Samaria is under siege, and, and the Assyrians have the city surrounded, and they're starving them out, right? That, that's the idea, is you don't, have to, you don't have to win a battle. You simply threaten the battle, and the people stay hiding until they starve so bad they come out and simply surrender. And, and that is what is happening, and they're at that breaking point. Uh, and, and the king is so angry that he blames Elijah, Elisha. I even have it written wrong, Elijah. <laughs> he blames Elisha, the man of God. A really fascinating thing about this king of, of Israel at this point, this king of Samaria, is that he believes in God enough to blame him, but not enough to trust him. He believes in God enough to want to punish God's follower, but not enough to listen to God when he speaks. Right? If he, he has, it's, but the world is like that, isn't it? it is, is they, they don't believe in God uh, for, for life, but they believe in God to blame him for the bad things that happen in their lives. It's a common kind of faith we still find today. So they go on, and Elisha promises food. Like a, and it's, this isn't an Elisha story, by the way. Elisha's in it, but he's in it only a little bit. Uh, Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders, he makes a cameo appearance, is what he does. Elisha was in his house, and the elders were waiting with him. Now the king had dispatched a man from his presence, but before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Do you see how this murderer has, taken, has, has, sent, has sent to take off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold the door shut against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still speaking with them, the messenger came down and said, uh, this, is trouble. this trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? But Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So basically what he's saying, you can go, you can worry about prices and all these. Understand this as normal business cost. This is the normal cost of a of, of, of barley. This is the normal cost of wheat. It's going to be, so he says, by this time tomorrow, you can buy things at the normal price. You're not going to have to spend 80 shekels for a, for a donkey's head, you know, to, to, to have something to eat. Uh, it's going to be normal prices. Uh, then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, If the Lord himself should make the windows in heaven, should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But he said, Elisha said to him, You shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Okay, so Elisha promises food at regular prices within the next 24 hours. And the captain doesn't believe. He says it can't happen. Why does he say it can't happen? Because he can't imagine how such a thing should come to pass. So that's the setup to the story. That, that's that's the, the, the part that gets started on it. But what's about to happen next is, is really, it just is like this story happens so fast. There are four lepers outside the gate of the city, right? Uh, we see this we're in chapter 7, verse Three. Uh, now, there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And, and they said to each other, why are we sitting here until we die? So understand the situation of these four lepers. They're at the entrance to the city gate. This means they are outside the gate. Otherwise, they would be at the exit to the city gate, right? Uh, there's two sides. The gates were big. 
right? It's not like a gate on your fence. The gate is big. It, it, it's, it's a structure. It's like a building with, with big openings that, that has what we would call a gate. They would call the door to the gate. Right? So the gate is there, and then you come in here, and they actually have guard houses built into the gate, and then they have this end of the gate. Okay, so this end is the entrance or the, the exit to the gate where your people are on their way out, they go start through the gate. The entrance to the gate is outside the wall, uh, outside those doors where you would go in. Uh, and, and, and that is where they are. They are not allowed in. And you might wonder, why in the world are they there? You know, they don't have protection, they're only close to protection. But when the enemy comes, they'll be killed without anybody even trying. I mean, there's just nowhere for them to run. They don't have any protection, they don't have anything. They have a, a, a picture of protection, but they don't actually have something. When I was in Israel, and it's been 20 years, it's been more than 20 years since I was there, but this is something that hasn't changed in thousands of years, is, is we're driving along, uh, down along the, the Jordan Valley, down, down near the Dead Sea, and it's, it's down there, you're way below sea level, and it's hot. We were there in July, and it was hot. It was over 100 degrees. Uh, they said it was 117, uh, and I don't know, you know what it was or not. But, but in this heat, you have nomads, the Bedouins out there with their sheep, right? And you'd see one scrawny little tree giving out this little patch of shade. And you'd see 100 sheep with this shepherd around this little patch of shade. And the thing is, is about 15 of them were able to actually get some shade. But the others were crowded close. They had no shade. They had a semblance of being close to shade. I'm thinking the body heat had to make it worse than if they were spread out. I don't know. They, they didn't die, you know, so, so it must work for them somehow. But it was nothing but an impression. They were close to people who had shade or close to sheep. These guys are close to people who have a really poor kind of protection, and that's as close as they can get. They'll be the first to die, uh, but, but until then, at least the city gives them an illusion of protection. And that's all it's giving them is, is an illusion of protection. And one of them gets this really good idea. He says, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine's in the city, we're just going to die there. And if we sit here, we die. So now come, let's go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we live. And if they kill us, we die. He said, we're going to die anyway. We have a 0% per chance, chance, percent chance of survival where we are. We have a 2% chance of survival uh, over there. Now, 2% is not good, but it's a whole lot better than 0 right? And, and, and if those are your odds, you take them. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and they say, okay, let's do it. We're going to go there. It's not good odds. It's the best we're going to get. And they leave at twilight. They leave at twilight, they get there in the dark. Now, that's, that's the four lepers, right? Now, here's the Syrian army, right? So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come after us. So they fled away in the twilight. I love, you know, this isn't a movie promo. <laughs> they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. Right? Now, the, here's the thing is, is, is uh, something strange. These, these four lepers are walking from Jerusalem to the 
camp of the besieging Syrians. And I don't know how far this walk is. <laughs> you know, it's far enough, but not too far. You know, out of house to get to it. Now, I want to tell you something. You can't prove a relationship between what these four lepers are doing and what the Syrians are hearing. You can't prove a relationship between those two things. It may be nothing more than coincidence that the four lepers got there just after the Syrians fled. It may be nothing more than coincidence that verse 5 says the lepers left at twilight uh, to go to the Syrian camp, and verse 7 tells us the Syrians fled in the twilight uh, and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. You, you can't prove a causal relationship between those two, <laughs> but it is no coincidence that the Syrians heard something and it is no coincidence that it is God who caused them to hear it. And I, if God caused them to hear it, and he waited until twilight when these four lepers were coming, I think that there is a relationship between the two. And so, so when one leper, one le the first leper, he, he uses a crutch, right? And he gets out and he does this. And the lep lepers all heard a little crunch, right? A little crunch as the, as, as the, 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 cane, the crutch hit the army. But, but the Syrians heard the sound of chariots, right? Uh, and, and then leper number two, he picks up his bag, and he starts walking. And the, 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 the noise is so small, the lepers don't notice the feet, sound of his feet on, on the gravel. But, but the, the Syrians hear a great army, right? Leper number three, what does he do? I wrote it down. He joins them. And someone yells, they've hired the Hittites! <laughs> Number four joins them, and someone says, I hear Egyptians! That sounds Egyptian to me! <laughs> I don't know. And, and these four, four crippled, banged up, feeble, sickly, starving, emaciated lepers are hobbling toward the Assyrian camp, and the Syrians are running for their lives at the sounds that they hear. And, and you go, how does that happen? I panicked. <laughs> Some of you have heard my story of panic before. It was in the Army in basic training, and, and we were marching out to bivouac. I don't know how far it was, but we marched everywhere. You could have marched 300 miles. You wouldn't have known the difference. And, and, and we're, we're so far out of camp, and we all knew we were going to be gassed, tear gassed somewhere along the way. We had our gas masks ready. We'd all been trained. And we knew exactly what to do. And I had no fears because I was confident I knew what to do. And so, so they threw the gas mask, someone yells gas, and I grabbed my mask out of the pack, I slapped it on my head, except I'd forgotten to put on my helmet, or take off my helmet, which the gas mask doesn't fit over a helmet. Imagine that. So, so rather than calmly doing this, I started to panic. And I took my helmet and I threw it like that. And I took the mask and I did this. And I hit my glasses. So rather than taking my glasses off and taking them, you know, Excuse me a minute. Okay. I took my glasses and they found my helmet. <laughs> and then I took my gas mask and I did this. And I threw it the other way. <laughs> and I ran. I just ran right into a drill sergeant <laughs> who had his gas mask on. <laughs> and, and I don't know how to explain my actions. They don't make sense. When you panic, that's what happens. You throw things and you run. I know, because I did it. Right? Hopefully you've never had that experience and you're sitting there going, what a weenie. You know? <laughs> I, I, I don't, but, but because that's what I did. It's, 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 it, that's what these guys did. 
You know what? They, they heard, what is twilight? It's not light, it's not dark, but it's dark enough that you can't see what, the, what is causing that sound you hear. Right? And, and, and somehow God is bringing this sound, and they can't see what it is. They can't see what it is, but they hear these sounds, and they don't like them. And one guy says, it's the Hittites. Well, you know where the Hittites lived? They lived north. And another guy says, it's the Egyptians. Well, guess where the Egyptians lived? They lived south. I don't know where to run. I have to run. I don't know where to run. They're running into the drill sergeant, you know, and getting up. And then he's running, too. And they are all just hot-footing it out of there. And the funny thing is, is they hear these four crippled lepers. The lepers don't hear them. <laughs> the lepers get to camp. And they say alms, <laughs> food for the beggar. I mean, we don't know what they say, but we know what they find. It says, uh, so they arose at twilight, went to the camp. Let's see, skip ahead. Uh, for they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. When they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, no one was there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and horses, a sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel is hired against us, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight, abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent. Hello? Anyone in here? Hello? Hello? <laughs> Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> There's food in here. Well, I think it's trick, but I'm going to get some food. <laughs> and they go in, and they start eating the food. And all this while, they're not finding anybody. So they came, went into a tent and ate and drank. And then they said, hey, look at this. This bag's got silver in it. Look at this. This bag's got gold, right? Silver and gold. And they, and, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And then they looked around and they said, there's a lot more tents here. <laughs> and so they went into the next tent. When they came back, they entered another tent and carried off the things from it and went and hid them. And it's like, this is Christmas. Man, this is the best day on the planet. Then they said to one another, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news. If we're silent and wait until morning, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Right? And so, so they're, they're looting the enemy. You know, looters, the leopards help themselves. They feed the belly first. You know, first things first. Tent one, food, silver, clothing, silver, and gold. Tent two, repeat process. Right? Uh, and then, then they, they realize they need to, to share the wealth. It's still the middle of the night. It's the, it's the middle of the night. We know that because they say, if we wait till morning, we'll get in trouble. So it's that same night. They have, they have eaten. They have taken loot. They've taken it and hidden it and dug it and, and, and buried it so that they can get it when they, when they want it, when it's a good time to do it. And, and there's nothing noble about what they're doing. You see that. They're not saying, they're not saying uh, you know what? Verily thus, we must go and tell the others of our fortune. <laughs> you know, they're, they're saying, you know what? We're going to get in trouble. Because eventually people are going to find out. And if we don't go tell people, we're going to be 
the bad guys. We don't want to get in trouble, so let's go tell them. But they waited until after they looted at least two tents <laughs> before they did that. After they had buried the treasure, then they went and told. They were, going to, they were making sure they were going to be okay. And then they go to tell everybody uh, what's going on. They, they, there's nothing noble about it. This is all self-preservation. Uh, so let's go on with the story. Uh, let's see, verse... Uh, 10. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there, nothing but the horses and the donkeys and the, uh, tied to the tent and the tents as they were. Then the gatekeepers called out and said, What do you think we are, idiots? We're not going over there. This is a trick. Uh, it sure sounds like it. Then the gatekeepers called out, and it was told within the king's household. And the king rose in the middle of the night and said to his servants, I'll tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know we're hungry, so they've gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the open country, thinking when they come out of the city, we'll take them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants said, Let some men take five of the remaining horses, seeing that those who are left here will fare like the whole multitude of Israel who have already perished. Let's send and see. So they took two horsemen, and the king went after, sent them after the army of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. So, they went, so you see they're checking it out. They're not just you know, going to walk willy-nilly into this place and be ambushed and killed, right? And so they're checking it out. So they went after them as far as the Jordan, and behold, all the way, and the Jordan, we're talking about 30 miles from, from uh, Samaria. Uh, the Jordan, uh, and, and behold, all the way was littered with garments and equipment that the Assyrians had, Assyrians had thrown away in their haste. And the messengers, by the way, it, the Syrians also lived north, but they ran east. <laughs> <laughs> These guys were scared to death. Uh, uh, so the day was littered with uh, the way was littered with garments and equipment that the Syrians had thrown away in their haste, and the messengers returned and told the king. So the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a seal of fine flour was sold for a shekel, two seals of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now the king had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate, and the people trampled him in the gate so that he died, as the man of God had said when the king came down to him. For when the man of God had said to the king, two seals of barley shall be sold for a shekel, and a sea of fine flour for a shekel, about this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria, the captain had answered the man of God, if the Lord himself should make a window in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. Yeah, good story. Ooh, <laughs> it's a fun story. The Samaritans suffer one casualty in this, right? The Israelites suffer one casualty, the captain who said God couldn't do it. So that's the story. There's awesome lessons in this story. I'm going to hit two. Lesson number one, God can use Anyone. God can use anyone. You know, there are several amazing things about these lepers that God used. The first one is they're lepers, <laughs> right? They're lepers. They're, they're sick. They're hurt. They're feeble. They're not warriors. It's not for warriors who said, let's go. God can use many or few if he wants to deliver. You know, they weren't trying to deliver anybody. They were trying to beg for food because they said the pickings are really bad over here. At least we have a shot over there. They, they did not earn the right to advance on the Syrians. They had no skill they were going against them. It was not by might and it was not by righteousness because they weren't especially noble. And it was not by noble birth because they didn't have that. And it was not by wisdom because all they're doing is begging. They are outcasts and they are unclean. Okay, so, so that the first, first amazing thing is they're lepers. The second is that they're from outside the city. They did not go on behalf of the city. They were not sent as an envoy. They weren't going for the city's sake. They were going for their own. And perhaps the most amazing thing is that they were going for selfish reasons. 
They were not going for anything noble merely for selfish reasons. They had no help from the city, so they abandoned it. They weren't demonstrating faith in God. They, they, there was no faith in God in what they were doing. Like I said earlier, they were playing the odds. You know, David, when he challenged Goliath, he said, You come at me with a shield and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord my God. Right? He, he was showing faith in God. Joshua, when they marched around the walls of Jericho, it was exactly as God had told him to do. He was demonstrating faith. Right? They, they weren't doing this. Uh, they weren't, they weren't uh, on the way saying, Let's attack the Syrians and at least die fighting. They weren't planning on fighting. They were going to go and beg and hope they didn't die. And that's what they were doing. They were going to beg. And so here's the thing. They were the, the, the thing is, they were the only ones going. So God used them because nobody else was going. So God didn't use them. I believe if we expect to be used by God, we should try to be godly. You know, if you want to be used by God, you should, you should try to, to become the kind of person God wants you to use. But, but if, if God can use anyone, and he will even use you, <laughs> as you are, if you're the only one who is willing to be used, uh, God will use anyone. But he needs someone to use. God works through people. We are people. Right? You say, well, look at what kind of people we are. You got a spittoon up by the pulpit, man. <laughs> yep, that's what kind of people we is. <laughs> but God can use us. And us means you, individually, as well as, as a group. You have no idea what God can do with you if you put yourself at God's disposal. You have no idea. Don't waste his time or yours thinking of all the reasons why you can't. Reading an article in one of the recent World magazines about the trouble that's plaguing the mission field right now. And, and, and it's an interesting problem. Because in order to be prepared to go on the mission field, people are going for higher education and more and more higher education. And with higher education goes the bills for higher education. And so people are saying, okay, I'm ready to go out on the mission field when they have fifty dollars to $100,000 of student loan debt. We don't support missionaries to pay off $100,000 of student loan debt. And, yet that's what, and so they're not able to go out on the mission field. It's a problem. Right? Uh, and, 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 and so what do we do? We say, well, I can't go on the mission field because uh, either I don't have the education or I don't have the money to pay for my education. And so I can't go on the mission field. And, and so we come up with reasons why we can't go. And I'm going, man, Paul just went. <laughs> you know, there's something wrong with our thing. Now, at the same time, you know, we, we had Cam and Valerie here. You know, they are doing translation work. <laughs> they are doing stuff that requires an awful lot of this. Uh, the, the typical stuff we've done, like on short-term mission trips, doesn't require a whole lot of this. <laughs> you and I can do it. Uh, you know, the, uh, but, but it's creating a problem. There are situations where you need that education to do these things. Uh, but we've, we've created a trap for ourselves, and we come up with reasons. Essentially, we've created reasons why we can't do the work God calls us to do. And, and there's something wrong with that. Uh, God already knows. You know, here, you know a little trick about you, you saying, well, I, there's so many things I can't do. God already knows how little you can do. Right? That is, that is not relevant. God doesn't need what you can do. God just needs you to go to do. And he is the one who works. And this isn't specifically a call to missions, but it might be if that is how God is placing this on your heart. 
All the leopards had to do was get there. They didn't do any work except for digging to bury treasure. <laughs> I don't know about you, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of work to me. You know, give me a shovel, I'll dig. How big a hole? How much treasure do you have for me? You know, and, and I'll figure that out. So that's the first lesson is, is God can use anyone. And the second lesson is God can do anything. Right? Don't make the mistake of God can only do what you think he can do. I am, I am the captain of the team of limiting God because of what I think can be done in a situation. And it's like every time I realize I'm doing that, it's just pfft, cut it out, you know? Bad boy. But I do it. I limit God based on what I think can be done. And what I think can be done is limited by guess who? It's what I think I can do. And, and, and good grief. That's not much. Do you really think that you are qualified to say what God can do? Or better yet, are you qualified to say what God cannot do? Uh, the captain in this story, not me, <laughs> could not imagine how there could possibly be food at normal prices in 24 hours. So because he could not imagine it, he said it was impossible. It could not be done. But guess what? It was done. They did it within 24 hours. Because he couldn't imagine it, he didn't think God could do it. And he lived long enough to find out he was wrong, but not long enough for that knowledge to do a bit of good for him. Four starving, emaciated, outcast lepers put the Syrian army to flight because God wanted them to. Because God used them beyond anything they could possibly imagine God using him, them to do. You know what? Your, your task is to be available to God. Your task is to let God use you and see if you can even imagine what he will accomplish as you go. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, I thank you for these four men and the story that you have preserved for us in Scripture. I thank you for your ability. I thank you for your willingness to use unclean vessels. Lord, uh, we offer ourselves as those vessels. In Jesus' name, amen.